This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. How's everybody doing today? Y'all, I'm just going to, can I just be vulnerable? Y'all look good today. I don't know. Anybody send out like memos, like dress up, look nice? Yeah, I bet like Walmart's out of jail today or something. Y'all look, y'all look good. Just saying, just putting that out there today. Um, so, hey, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we are... Uh, Right in kind of getting started, we spent one week last week in a series called I Quit. And and it, let me just say, we, we around here, we save some of the best stuff that we have all year long for the summer. By God's grace, man, this is stupid for churches, but we've grown the last two summers. And, and I mean, that's unheard of in churches, especially around here, because all y'all quit going to church during the summer. But, but we, save, we save really some of our best stuff. For the summer, and, and by God's grace, we've seen people's lives change. We've seen people come to know the Lord just during these seasons. And so just to let you know where we are, we're, we're in I Quit for a couple more weeks. All right, then we're going to start a series that we call At the Movies. All right, At the Movies. <laughs> Some of y'all excited about At the Movies. At the Movies is one of those series that we, we intentionally try to make At the Movies the best series we do all year long. That's in July, all right? Um, we take... Uh, because we're at the movies, don't. It's not like an excuse to just do whatever. Because we're at the movies, we actually take films that are in theaters right now, and we we present uh, timeless truth through timely stories. Right. So we use the stories that are being told uh, to all of us through the category of film, and we present God's word through them. It's powerful, powerful moments for us. And so we uh, several movies that are out right now. Uh, Jurassic World is out. We're going to do that, and we're going to do the new Pixar film, Inside Out, okay? So so those are two. So if you want to do some sermon prep with me, go watch them, all right? You can go watch Dinosaurs Eat People and enjoy that, right? It counts as a spiritual activity, I guess, all right? Um, so that's where we're going to be. Uh, and today, I don't know if y'all know this, but it's Father's Day, right? And so just as a way of honoring our dads, uh, we're, we're drawing and giving away a $150 gift card to Lowe's. So if you're a dad and you're here today, the way for you to get your name in that is fill out a connection card that's in your worship guide as you came in. And on the back in our prayer request spot, just write in big letters, Dad. All right? And we'll get you involved in that drawing in just a couple days for that $150 gift card to Lowe's. So this past week, y'all, um, I took some of our teenagers to the beach. It was a great week to go to the beach. It was. Like, before we left, we were all thinking, like, you know, it's been kind of mild for a summer around here, you know? It's probably going to be perfect weather, right? It's not going to be too hot, right? And then it got too hot, right? I mean, I don't know if y'all, it was, it was scorching here, it was scorching there, heat advisories all three days. Before we left, um, the beaches in and around Oak Island, which is where we went, um, were invaded by jellyfish. And so that was all in the news, right? Jellyfish, swarms of jellyfish descending on the beaches, washing up on the beaches. And they found a swarm of Portuguese men of war, right? 
at, at a beach just south of where we were going. That's the jellyfish that if it stings you, you go to the hospital. There is no peeing on that thing, right? Like, it's, that's not how that goes. You're going to the hospital if you get stung by that. And, and on the way there, literally on the way there, we've got a van loaded with stuff and kids. The kids in the back go, hey, somebody was bit by a shark at Oak Island. Isn't that where we're going? Yes, it is. So if you went, like, to the beach, which is right in front of the house where we went, like, a kid was bit right there, and a kid was bit right there. And by God's grace, he knew that I was going to be preaching on fear this Sunday. So I got to experience uh, a few days with those kids out on the beach. And see, I don't know if y'all have been around uh, students or, or kids in, in the last few years. First time I've taken a, a group on, on a trip in a long time. And, and see, when I was a kid, if I went on the trip, like my parents kicked me out the door, barely gave me enough money to cover this, barely gave me uh, enough clothes. I was lucky to even get a sleeping bag on the way out, right? Right, that's how it went for us. They were just excited to get a week off, right? No, I don't have Kevin for a week, praise the Lord, right? That's their attitude. Today, when you drive away with students, this is no joke, parents are standing in the background crying. Oh, God, you're taking my baby. I'm going to miss some. I'm going to miss some. It's, I mean, I'm just telling you, parents have changed. You see, I don't know about you, but, but there was a moment for me when things changed too. I'd like to share that moment with you. Would you watch this with me? first few cries without getting choked up. You see, in that moment, I encountered something that I had never encountered before. It was a new type of fear. And to be honest with you, fear had been something that I had identified early, earlier in my life as, as this, this has robbed me. I, I, this is, this is a, not a good thing. I need to deal with this. But here was this grand moment, this brand new joy, this great gift. And the truth was, it was, it was a whole new experience. A new experience of love, but a new opportunity to live in fear. See, there are things that I want for my kids as a dad that I can kind of make happen. I, I can put some food on the table at night. I can, I can, you know, with God's grace and with his help, I can go, I can go out and work, right? God's given me that ability. He's given me that calling. I can provide that. But, you know, I want my kids to be safe. Can I tell you that as hard as we try, there are things that are out of our control. See, my my wife, when my daughter was only about 18 months, thought, well, you know, it's time. She's eating some solid food. It'd be, a, it'd be a great day to give her her first peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
she made the peanut butter jelly sandwich, cut it up into little squares, and gave it to my daughter. And within a few moments, she had blisters on her lips. And she started getting lethargic. And we rushed her to the ER and found out that she's allergic to peanuts. See, as hard as I work to keep her safe, See, her safety is not really my job. It's God's. As a matter of fact, I, I think it's important today, if we're going to talk about fear, to talk about where fear comes from. And the first thing I want you to understand is that fear begins when we try to take responsibility for something we don't have authority over. Fear begins when we try to take responsibility for something that we do not have authority over. See, I could live in fear. As, as, as the dad of, of a of now almost four-year-old and an almost two-year-old, I could live in fear. We could, we could take some bubble wrap and wrap everything in the house with bubble wrap, right? Some of y'all have done this before. You know what I'm talking about, right? We could take every toy away from them that they could poke their eyes out with, right? Never hand them a fork. <laughs> Those things are scary, right? I could do all that, but see, the thing is, even if I do all that, if I'm doing it wrong, I'm still going to live in fear because I'm taking responsibility for something that I don't have the authority over. See, there are components of that. I, de I definitely need to make sure that I do my job to keep my kids safe. I need to be responsible, right? But, but God is so much bigger than me. And the truth is, these kids that live in my house that act like they're tiny little terrorists trying to destroy our lives, right? They're not even mine. They belong to Jesus. And for a small moment in time, God has given me the chance to be their dad. Look at this verse with me, 2 Timothy 1, 7. This is the elder Apostle Paul writing the young Timothy. He has mentored him. He has been a part of, of growing him and training him in ministries, writing a letter to him. And here's what he said in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, when I think we we, we approach that verse, and that's one of those verses that some of y'all have that on, on your walls in cross-stitch. You know, Grandma made that at some point. Some of you have it as bumper sticker on the back of the car. I think when we look at that verse sometimes, we, we approach that verse by saying, God doesn't want me to experience the emotions of fear. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. I'm not ever supposed to feel that. But see, I think God is speaking to something much more deep inside of us. God has not given, not just the emotion, but a spirit of fear. See, when we try to take responsibility 
for something that we don't have the authority over, we, y'all listen to this, we will live in fear. But if we can learn to trust God with the things that we don't have the authority over, we can live differently. I think that that verse is inviting us to look into the heart of God and realize that whatever it is, God is stronger, God is bigger than whatever you're facing. So I think fear is one of those things that we need to talk about. We need to talk about it a lot because so many of you, well, you face fears. You got fears going on in your life right now. You got things that, that you just, I can't do. I'm, and, and you've been living and coping with fear. You found a way just to navigate life. I'm just going to do life, but, but I'm just going to keep this, this thing just traveling with me all throughout life. I'm just scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. But I'm doing it. I'm doing life, but I'm living. And here's the thing I want you to see about that. Living with fear will keep you from fully enjoying the life God wants to give you. See, the truth is that in the face of fear, we can choose to do the right thing. But fear, when we let it linger, when we let fear become a part of the way we navigate the world, when fear becomes our perspective, it robs us of fully enjoying life. And can I be honest with you? If you're a dad, look at me. What do you want for your kids? I'm going to ask you at the end of the day, Do you want your kids to have a life that they enjoy? And I think that if we, we say, yeah, I do. I mean, I want my kids to have a life that they find meaning, meaningful and, and satisfying and they find enjoyment and pleasure in the right places. I want that for them. See, the thing is, I, I think that God looks at us and goes, can you just stop doing that? I know you're doing the right thing, but I want you to experience something when you do it that you're not. As a matter of fact, I, I find that sentiment in 1 John 4, the great uh, writer John, the disciple who experienced the love of God in a radical way, said this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected and love. Think about that. John is saying, hey, here's the truth. Here's, here's the reality for you. God, God wants to love you. He wants you in your life to experience his love. He wants you to, to, to wake up in the morning and to be loved by him and to have the opportunities to love him as well. But see, he says there's Something that can block that flow up. See, if you, if you fear, you can't experience love. Well, it doesn't mean you won't do the right thing. You won't even be obedient. It just means you might not be loved. It might mean your motivations in doing that are all jacked up and wrong. See, the thing is, is that fear will rob you of fully enjoying the life that God has called you into. 
So I'd like to take you to Exodus 3 and 4. Exodus 3 and 4 is where we find Moses having ran away from Egypt after he murdered an Egyptian slave master, right? He, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh, was, was miraculously saved when there was this uh, mass murder of young males out of the, the Hebrew population. He, he was given the privilege and the right to grow up really in the palace of the king. And so here, here's Moses who, who, who learned of his ethnicity, became so angry and seeing this slave master beating a Hebrew slave. He, he murdered him and then he ran for his life. And he spent years in the desert as a, as a shepherd, okay? I mean, think about that. Grew up in the palace of the most strongest nation in the world and now he's ran from that out of fear. And he's ran and lived as a shepherd. And in Exodus 3, God comes to Moses and I told you last week, it's one of those weird moments in the Bible. Moses is just like cruising along out in the, the backwoods. He comes along a bush that's on fire. He notices that bush isn't burning up. And then the fire starts to speak to him. Listen, y'all, that's weird, right? I mean, seriously, if that were me, I'd pee my pants if that happened. Just out walking in the woods, that bush, that bush is on, on fire. Whoa, whoa, it spoke to me. Like, I'd wet spot in that general area. <laughs> This is really what would happen. And so God speaks to Moses, and he begins to tell him, Moses, here's, here's what I want for you. I, I, I mean, I've got, I've got great plans for you. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. You're going you're gonna to help my people, your people, become free, Moses. I've got great plans for you. And last week, we looked at how Moses responded. Moses would, would say to God, but, but God, but but God, God, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a very, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a very good uh, speaker. And God would say, "Who made your mouth? Who, who makes your tongue to talk? It's me." So Moses, go, and when you speak, I'll be with you. Stop making excuses, Moses. Just go. I want you to see the first thing that Moses says to God in response to God's vision for his life. We find it in Exodus 4, verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? What if they look at me, God, and they say, Moses... You're a murderer. There's no way God showed up to you. Moses, you abandoned us when you were a child. You grew up in privilege. We were slaves. Moses, there's no way you did that. What if they say that, God? You're asking what ifs today, too. God, what if I start tithing? And I don't have enough money to pay my bills or buy groceries. God, what what if what what if you I, I try to trust you and, and, and take my hands off of things I'm trying to control, but then but then they just collapse, God. What if God, what if my spouse leaves me? 
God, what if my kids get hurt? What if? See, it's interesting to me that God had already answered Moses' question. In Exodus 3.18, Moses is at the beginning of chapter 4 saying, God, what if they won't listen to me? In Exodus 3.18, God said to Moses, the elders of Israel will listen to you. What? I mean, this is like God speaking, right? Most of us, we think we'd be like, ah, I got it now. I got the roadmap. I'm good. No, you're just like Moses. You are. Because there are things that God has identified in your life that he wants to do in you. And you keep saying, what if? See, a lot of times when we talk about fear, we like to juxtapose fear and faith. And maybe, maybe you've heard it said, maybe even I've said it before, that, that fear is the absence of faith. After studying this, I want you to see this, that, that fear is often placing faith in the what-ifs. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. God, what if my kids get in a car accident and I, and I, didn't, I didn't do what I was supposed to? I didn't, I didn't tell them to drive the right. God, what if, what if my, my, my husband falls in love with a woman at work? God, what, what if, what if we, we fail financially, God? What if? See, Fear is putting faith in the wrong what if. And I want you to know something today. See, your, your what ifs, they matter. As a matter of fact, I want you to understand today, this is so important. The fear that you're experiencing in life right now, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, for your spiritual life and for the wellness of what God's doing in you, it's actually a gift. Like today, I'm going to show you how the fear that you're facing, that you're experiencing, that fear is pointing you to two things that God wants to work on in your life. Let's get started with that. This is in your notes. Why do our what-ifs matter? Number one, what you fear reveals what you value the most. What you fear reveals what you value the most. Years ago, when, when Amanda and I first got married, we'd leave our house, and, and I'd go through and turn all the water off and turn the to drain the toilets. I mean, anything you could think of about safeguarding that house, man, I was, I was all on that, right? I don't, I don't, I don't even, I had, last few times we left, I hadn't even thought about that stuff. These days, the fear that I face it's with my kids. Some of the greatest fears and difficulties that I face lie right there in that tension. But I want you to see something else about that. Number two, what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. 
what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. See, I realized real quickly after that moment that you got to see on video. See, my wife had this brilliant plan of, of the first day, right? We were going to spend the first night alone with our baby in the hospital, which was really sweet. You know, Amanda had a C-section, so she wasn't going anywhere for a few days. And she had these books that she had bought, right? And she picked out one for me to read to the, to the baby and one for her to read. And she read her book, and it was just like one of those beautiful moments. Like, it should have been videoed, right? She's just all like mothering and glowing and smiling. And then she gave me this book called On the Night You Were Born. Don't, like, don't read that on the first day that your kid gets born. Because I would read like one word and then be a sobbing mess. Now I read one more word, and then I have to cry it out. One more word, another sentence. It was, I was a snotty, broken mess by the time I read that book. Amanda's just sitting over there looking at me like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, that's just that's difficult and rude that you would do this to me. See, it, very quickly I learned that that tension is going to be between am I going to try to be the person that's in control or am I going to trust God? See, for me, right now, the place that I face that, maybe even greater than anywhere, is right there. You have that place too. As a matter of fact, there's a place in your notes right now. Why don't you take a moment and write down in your notes What's the place that you're having the most trouble trusting God with right now? Maybe today you would say, hey, I'm saying, what, what, if, what if this marriage doesn't work out? We're just fighting so much. Maybe today you're saying, what, what if I'm, I'm not good enough to find a spouse? Maybe today you're saying, well, what if I, 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 never, I never get it together financially? Maybe, maybe today you're saying, what, what if, what if I, I never get past this thing that happened to me in the past? What's the place that you're trusting God the least? Because I think that that is one of the places that God has you in a position that you can grow perhaps even the quickest in your life because you're aware of where you're weak in that area. So what I want to do is I want to give you a couple steps this morning to address the what-ifs in your life. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Number one, acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God. Acknowledge your fear and choose to trust God. Y'all listen to me. Too many of you have fear that you have just trying to, you, you've just been trying to cope with it, manage it, deal with it, medicate through it, get through it. I'm just trying to, and you're not taking time to turn to the creator of the universe and say, I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid. 
You've never stopped to understand that fear that is robbing you of the capacity that God wants you to have to enjoy the moment. Look at this verse, Psalm 56. This is David speaking. King David says, My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in their pride when I'm afraid I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I will not be afraid. And then listen to this. What can mortal man do to me? What can mortal man do to me? See, often your fears are rooted in the things that you value the most, the, the things that, that you care about, that you, you love, you enjoy. They bring great senses of joy into your life, and you're afraid because you don't trust God with them. I heard Beth Moore teach on this passage of Scripture. Beth Moore is a, a Bible teacher, one of the best Bible teachers in the country, does a lot of women's conferences specifically for the ladies. Uh, she was teaching on this first, and she said, you know, when, when I first got married, I experienced the joy that I had never experienced in my entire life. I loved my husband, and he loved me. And it was this wonderful relationship that I, I didn't know that I would ever experience on earth. She said, I found myself all of a sudden starting to pray, God, would you keep him safe, please? God, don't, don't let, the, he's going to be flying tomorrow. God, don't, don't let his plane crash. God, God, he's flying, he's flying all the way across country. Keep that airplane in the sky, God. God, he's going to be driving for four hours tomorrow. God, please keep him safe in that car. God, I can't imagine my life without him. God, please don't, don't let my husband be taken from me. She said, I went back and looked at my, my prayer journals. And so much of what I was praying was based on this fear that I might lose my husband. She said that one day she was praying. And God spoke to her. And she said, God, what if, what if I lost my husband? And God said, what if you lost your husband? Beth, what would happen then? She said, well, God, I would be really sad. My heart would break, and I would feel probably pretty lost. And I'd probably get really sad and probably start spending some time by myself to try to think about everything. And she said, well, Beth, what if that happened? She said, well... I love you. So at some point, I'll probably start praying, seeking you, asking you to heal my heart. I said, well, Beth, what would happen if that happened? And she said, God, you'd, you'd heal my heart. You, you've never left me alone. Anytime I've ever sought you, you've always been there, God. 
And he said, well, what would happen if that happened? And she said, God, you'd somehow take what was maybe the most painful moment in my entire life, and you'd probably turn it into the strongest message that I would ever have. And God said, yeah, what if? See, I think sometimes when we place our faith in the wrong what if, we don't understand that last line. What can mortal man do to me? I've given my life to Jesus. And I've looked at something that I value and I've said, God, I will trust you with it. What can mortal man do to me? I've said, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out. I'm not in control anymore. God, I trust you. What can mortal man do to me? See, the second thing we need to do if we're going to face the what-ifs is we need to seek God until he takes away your fears. Let me be very clear to you today. God's plan is not for you to live with fear. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you to wake up in the morning and be scared of that day. God doesn't want you to face a situation and have your heart completely coated in fear. God doesn't want that for you. And if you will seek him, he will take away your fears. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. How many of you have ever been there when you were afraid of something and later on you would look back and you'd go, man, that was silly. You ever been there before? I said this last week, it's a Tim Keller quote, that there's not a moment in life that as we mature, we don't look back and say, God was foolish in some way at that moment in my life. Which means in the future, you're going to look at back on where you are right now and think you're a fool. So why keep the inexplicable the things that seem foolish outside the lines for you just because they may not even make sense. See, see the thing is, is that when we look back on fears that we face, we, we go, it wasn't that big a deal. And let me just give you an example. Anybody in the, the room ever have a, a weird childhood fear when they were going to bed at night, right? You ever think somebody was living in your closet? Raise your hand if that was you. Somebody lived in my closet. I was scared to death. Nobody, I'm sure nobody in the room ever had the fear that if I left my, my arm hanging off or my leg hanging off, there was a man underneath, and he was going to come up and cut my arms off. Y'all ever have that fear? Listen, my parents showed me this one time before I went to bed. It was a man who was a snake wrangler, and so they poured out a whole mess of snakes, and he went around and picked them up and did all kinds of crazy stuff. So I saw that happen, then I went to bed, and I had this fear that someone was going to come in my room and dump a bunch of snakes on the floor. 
And there were nights I would get all in the middle of my bed so I could not look over the sides and I didn't want to do it. I was scared. And I look back, there's still some nights I feel that. <laughs> oh, please don't come in. See, when you look back on those things, you realize how silly it was. I love what John Wesley said. I'm going to read this quote from him. I've never known more than 15 minutes of anxiety or fear. John Wesley's the founder of the Methodist Church great uh, pioneer evangelist. Whenever I feel fearful emotions overtaking me, I just close my eyes and I thank God that he is still on the throne reigning over everything and I take comfort in his control over all the affairs of my life. Y'all think about that. See, fear can be overcome when we face it and we choose to trust God. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, as the prophet is writing of the coming Messiah, Jesus, he uses a, a litany of names to describe who Jesus is going to be. Some of those are beautiful, but I love one of those that's buried in there. It's that he would be the prince of peace. See, when we say that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, I want you to understand that Jesus has paid the price on the cross for you to live in peace, to have fear banished so that you can understand the peace of God that surpasses understanding. He's paid for that. And so many of you, even though you're endeavoring to live for God, you have allowed fear to linger in your lives, and it's kept you from fully enjoying the life that God wants for you. And I think maybe it's time for us to say, I quit. Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, because he trusts in you. So let's quit living in fear and let's put our trust and hope in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for today. Thank you for the invitation to turn away from fear, to turn away from doubt and anxiety, God, to embrace a life that says you can. We trust you, God. You've called us. You've positioned us. You've put us in this place. God, come and do it through us, God. We, we want to, to be used by you. We don't want to stand back and say you can't. God, for many of us today, fear has handicapped our capacity to enjoy our lives. And we don't want that, God. We don't want to live that way. We don't want to be that way. God, we want to be the kind of people that fully embrace the life that you want for us. So today, God, we just want to stop. We want to listen to the invitation to trust you. God, we want to step into a life that we could never earn on our own. 
So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let me ask you a question today. How many of you don't respond yet? I'm going to ask you to respond in just a moment. How many of you would say, I'm tired of living in fear? Fear has absolutely taken away my capacity to enjoy the life that God wants to give me. Fear has robbed me of the things I know God wants for me. I am, I'm so riddled with fear that it has handicapped me in life. I want to experience the freedom of God that comes when I choose to trust him and I step into a life that says, God, you're in control of all the affairs of my life that's you, raise your hand right now. I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of living this way. God, I'm tired of living in fear. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of putting faith in the wrong what if. So God, today for those hands that went up, God, we just ask you to come and to bring liberty and freedom to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.